0: most disturbing game of football, ever. I'm the worst coach ever. I'm not even a coach. I used to be. I used to tell the kids, win or lose. It's the fight that counts. And I believed it. And it was a good thing to believe. Because we lost, year after year after year. The worst record in the division for five years running. And before that it was the second worst our su-51 got dissolved and we absorbed some of those kids and then we were the worst it wasn't the kids fault and it wasn't my fault we did our best with what we had we just didn't have much our practice field was lumpy and the grass never got mowed unless i did it myself the equipment was old and nothing ever seemed to fit anybody The kids all came from poor families and always had something pulling them away. We had the desire and maybe even the raw talent, just not the means. I had a shit salary, and it felt shitty losing all the time, but I stuck with it for the kids. I knew that if I left them, my replacement would buy something that administration scraped up from the very bottom of the barrel. I at least knew how to play football, and knew, in theory, how to win. We just needed some money. That's usually a bare requirement for winning. At the start of the year, it looked like there was some hope. The school budget increased, but I didn't let my hopes get too high. The whole school was in shambles. They were using textbooks from the 90s in some classes, and I heard that they even reused the frogs that they dissected in biology class. At the end of the day, the teacher would stuff all of the organs back in, and then pack the dead frogs carefully in a freezer for the next year's class. I met with Principal Jenkins in August. My heart was racing as I stepped in his office. I was hoping for good news but expecting the usual shit news. Milton, said Jenkins. You must have heard about the budget increase. Good news. It's all going to the football team. I couldn't believe it. I pictured level playing fields and sparkling new helmets, personalized jerseys to instill some pride in the kids. That is good news, I said smiling. I pushed back the thought of the kids reading history books that hadn't caught up to 9-11 yet. Take a look, said Jenkins. He turned the laptop that was on his desk around so that I could see it. He reached over and pushed play on a video that was queued up. On the screen, I saw a big kid dressed in a hospital gown. He was completely bald and was clutching a football. Three or four doctors, or I guess they were doctors, stood on either side of him, each holding a clipboard. "'Okay, Duncan,' said one of them, "'Run.' They appeared to be in an old horse barn. I watched as this Duncan kid took off as soon as the doc had said the word. He was fast. He kept his head up and charged straight ahead. I felt giddy for a few moments until I saw that he was headed straight for the wooden gate to a horse stable. Then I winced and started to turn away. What is this? I asked. Just watch, said Jenkins. I watched as the kid impacted with the gate. I expected him to bowl over backwards, but he didn't. Instead the gate splintered apart and he kept running. Now he was headed right for the back wall of the stable. Jesus, I said, he's going to kill himself. But he didn't. He ran through the wall and came out the other side, still running like Dickens, still running way faster than I ever did even in my prime. Touchdown, said one of the doctors. At that, the kid stopped in his tracks. What is this? I asked again. That's Duncan, said Jenkins, your new running back. Milt. Yeah. Don't fuck this up. Bring us back a championship. To keep up appearances, we had to enroll Duncan in the high school. He wasn't much of a student. I watched him one day from the hall. Steve Crawford, the English teacher, was actually crouched by his side, moving his hand across a piece of paper so that he could write his name. He stared listlessly ahead, at nothing. Later, I met up with Steve in the teacher's lounge. Just fucking win it, okay, Milt? he said. Just get this goddamn school on the map. I figure if we've got a good football team, that might bring other things along with it down the line, like an annotated edition of Moby Dick that isn't held together by duct tape. Sure, Steve. Thanks. On the field, Duncan was a beast. The uneven ground didn't bother him. Nothing did. You just had to give him the football. Tell him to run, and that was it. I wouldn't have gone along with it if it didn't make the kids so happy. That's not an excuse. I'm just explaining it. We all wanted this. We had been losing for so long that just the hint of a win made us delirious. Still, it was on me and me alone to stop it. And I didn't. The night of our first game, against the Lions, I skipped my usual pep talk of win or lose. Instead, I gathered everybody together and said simply, get out there tonight and get Duncan the ball. We're gonna kill him. Everybody cheered. And kill him we did. Our defense was still shit. Duncan just stood there the whole time, not moving. But every time we got the ball, we scored. It was a slaughter at 70 to 21. With practice, we did get Duncan to play some D. It was really no use talking to him. When you said something, it was like he didn't even hear. Finally, Nick Hansen, who was a damn fine linebacker, came up with an idea my little brother said nick he's uh a little slow and what we do for him is take stuffed animals and put on a puppet show that's how we got him to put his dishes in the sink finally we decided to give it a try with duncan okay buddy i said you're this tiger here okay and this lamb with the ball your job's to jump on him and bring him down okay watch when duncan watched something it was unnerving His eyes didn't blink. There wasn't any expression whatsoever on his face. There never was. And his face, it seemed just a little too gray. I did a little show with the stuffed animals. Do you get it? I asked. Duncan grunted. That was the most we ever got out of him. I thought that maybe meant he understood, but later on the field it was clear that he didn't. He just stood there as usual while our second string running back, Sammy Parker, Ran circles around him. We kept this up for weeks until one day, Duncan stuck out his arm and clotheslined Sammy. Sammy dropped like he'd just been shot in the head with a 44 Magnum. I ran over to check on him while the kids all circled around Duncan and congratulated him. After a full minute, Sammy sat up and looked around, dazed. What the fuck just happened? He asked. We've been 5-0 and this season. Usually we're 0-5. There have been warning signs. Duncan has put four kids in the hospital so far. Hell Duncan himself was the warning sign. The way he just stared like his head was completely empty. And the way he ran like he would have no problem killing anything in his path. Tonight was our big game against the Eagles. The kids hated the Eagles and so did I. They were from a district a couple dozen miles away where the houses had two car garages and the parents weren't all alcoholics. Or if they were, they were the rich kind that can get away with it. They'd beaten us every year for the past twenty years and that one win twenty-one years ago was just because their whole team came down with the flu. Okay boys, I said in the locker room before the game, I want you all to stay focused out there and find a way to get the ball to Duncan. We huddled together, put our hands in, and chanted the rally, let's go crabs. That was our team name, the crabs. On the field, it started off so well. The bleachers were packed, and everyone was fired up. It felt good. In the first quarter, Duncan scored three touchdowns and put the Eagles wide receiver out with a leg injury. I always hate to see kids injured like that, but I'm not going to lie here. It felt good in this case. It was the second quarter when the trouble started. Our boys were lined up for the snap when one of the Eagles stood up and shouted, ''Hey Duncan, I fucked your mom last night.'' The snap never came. Duncan charged across the scrimmage line and grabbed the kid's face mask in one hand while he held his other hand against the kid's chest. Then, in one quick motion, Duncan pulled the kid's head away from his body. He held the severed head in his hand as the body dropped and a ref blew his whistle. At the sound of the whistle, Duncan turned and hurled the helmeted head at the offending ref. It must have impacted that ref's own head at 150 miles per hour, minimum. He dropped to the ground, almost certainly dead. The bleachers erupted and I heard a gunshot. I looked over to see a man stepping down onto the field holding a gun aimed straight at Duncan. Hold on now, I shouted, but it was no good. The field was in chaos. The man walked a few more steps towards Duncan and then stopped. I heard him. You son of a bitch. Then he fired a round direct into Duncan's chest. Everything got very quiet. Duncan didn't drop. I saw the bullet hole in his chest but he didn't drop. Instead he turned slowly to the man who had fired the shot. Then he took off his helmet and threw it to the ground. He started running at full Duncan speed toward the man. Please stop, I shouted. My mind was a wreck. I didn't know what to do or even what was happening. Another gunshot rang out and I saw the bullet hole in the center of Duncan's head. He didn't slow down. He ran up to the man reached into his chest and pulled his heart out. Duncan, I tried. Touchdown, touchdown. It didn't work. Something had been set off in him. He turned and started grabbing people, tearing them apart. A mess of blood and body parts flew through the air like Hail Marys under the electric lights of the field. I ran out on the field towards Duncan. I was frightened, but I had to try to do something. Maybe he would listen to me. I was his coach after all. Duncan, I said, please listen to me. He lifted me up and threw me 20 feet through the air. When I regained consciousness, I was under the bleachers looking at a hundred dead bodies strewn across the field. The police are here now, but they're not doing much good. Duncan is riddled with hundreds of bullet holes, but is still out there killing people. I don't think any of us are going to get out of this alive, so I wanted to tell you how it happened before I go out there and try to stop him again. I know I'll die, but I have to try. I'm responsible for this. I don't know who or really what Duncan is, but I know that I never should have let him on the team. I've always known that. The things we do to win, only now does it come back to me. That's not what counts. It's the fight that counts. I am so sorry. Goodbye.